Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you could make it. So glad. My name's Stuart. That's really cool, isn't it? Basic training. I just feel like, yes, let's do this. This is fantastic. Oh, it's going to be week two of basic training, doing the work. But before I start, I just want to take a minute to just honor our lead pastors. I just think we have the best lead pastors in the world. It's just amazing. What, what, how God can use people that are faithful and literally just say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to allow God to build a firm foundation in an area and you just watch the spirit move. God is doing something powerful because of their perseverance, their faithfulness, and there's a generation rising up that is just so exciting. And uh, it's because of all that they do. And we're just so appreciative. Anyhow, so my name is Stuart and my role here is the equipping pastor. And one of my roles is um, to help people step into God's plan and purpose for their, life, for their lives. And it's a fantastic role that I get to be a part of. And a little bit about me and my wife. We met at Hillsong Bible College in Australia nine years ago. And uh, she was busy rejecting me at that time. But um, awesome. thank you very much. Um, and it was amazing, it was amazing that we, I moved to America five years ago and we did two years in Chicago and then the Lord called us over to California, which I think is the promised land, where you just come over and you're just like sun and it's the cold winters are like no more and not shoveling snow. But um, it's been fantastic for the last three years and people ask me, how did you get here? And I just sort of say, I'm not absolutely sure how I ended up in Marietta, but I know God is doing something powerful. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. And it's an honor to be here. I just want to give you a little insight into what my life is like. As an Englishman in America, I've got the worst name you can ever imagine, Stuart, which is not pronounced the same at all in America. And I can go into a coffee shop and... Rather than them saying, I'm sorry, I didn't understand your name, they just sort of give it their best shot. They just sort of write down whatever they think I've said. When they say, okay, Stuart, they're just like, Art, or Stupid, or, <laughs> or my worst one is like, Stupid. Is there a stupid in the house? And I'm just sort of just pretending like I didn't hear who they are. But that's, that's what it's like for my, just a little insight into what it's like. We're going to be going through week two of basic training and we're going to be going to the book of James and it's going to be James 1 verses 19 to 27 and God has got something really powerful but sometimes when we come into church we can think oh that's for the other person or that's relevant for them or whatever I just want to encourage you to right now make the decision that this message is for me that he has something special that he wants to drop in your spirit that is going to unfold the next season of your life. So if you would just lean in and just say, this one is for me, and take hold of it, God's going to do a mighty work. So thank you so much. We're going to pray together, and then we're going to get into the message. So Father God, we just invite your presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do whatever you want to do. Speak to us however you want to speak to us, Father. We have open ears to listen, Father, 
Would you give us the power to just rise up, Father? Where there's an anointing, Father, would you release it, Father? Would you, where there's an equipping, Father, would you equip them, Father? There are plans and purposes that are rising up in this house, Father, and we just bless them, Father, and in the name of Jesus, we say yes and amen. amen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tristan, you're brilliant. Um, so the big idea for this week's message is this. I will assess where I am so I can be who God has made me to be. I will assess where I am so I can be who God has made me to be. Part of my role as the equipping pastor is I get to go for lots of coffees with potential students uh, that are coming to the School of Ministry starting this fall. And what happens is we pray and we ask God to reveal his plans and purposes for the student that I go and have a coffee with. And every time we start to get revelation of what he's saying, Aaron Russ came up with the nickname Profi Coffee. If you want to go for a Profi Coffee with Stu, you can just ask me anytime. And it's a Profi Coffee where we literally we just ask Holy Spirit, speak to us. And we start to see how the story that we've been through is the story that he wants to use. See, story is one of those key things that God has designed and has captured man and woman's heart since the beginning of time. There's something ordained in story because it is God's story. And when you understand how stories are structured, you start to see the power and the presence of God rising up in your life. You can use how God has wired story to access his word. You can use it to make a successful business. Whatever you want to do, the essence of story will reveal something powerful. That's why if you journal with God, you'll start to see through your challenges, this is what God's saying. This is what God's doing because there's power in the story. And essentially, story only has five key components. It has these five components. It has one, a starting point with a hero. Two, who has an impossible challenge. Three, who meets a guide. Four, who helps them overcome. And five, which creates a transformation. Every story is going to have a variation of those five key things. It's just whether you can see it or not. And so for the sake of today's message, what's happening is you've walked into God's story. We're always in God's story, but right here, we are the hero at the starting point in the bigger story. So we have point one. Now, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Before I met Jesus, I feel like the way I sort of looked at the world was something like this robot up on the screens. You know, this it's high tech, it's functioning right, there's mess around, you know, that sort of needs to be dealt with. I can identify the toys that need to be picked up and thrown away, there's trash. I can tell you, okay, yes, you need a drink, do you? I can come and serve you, and I can clean the house up. I didn't understand that there was a need for God. I didn't really understand, this is my point. You're all thinking, where can I get myself one of those robots? <laughs> I wonder how much that robot is. is that <laughs> Stay focused with me. The point is this. Before you encounter Jesus, you don't really see the need. But when you encounter Jesus, he shifts your perception. He shifts the way because now you've got a true north. 
You've got a way of looking at the world that's different from anything else that you've ever encountered before. And now everything else is starting to, sh to change. And so now, after I've encountered Jesus, I see myself functioning more like this garbage truck that's coming along and, okay, there's a lot of trash that needs to be dealt with. And I'm going to help you with your trash. But if you get too close to me and you start to offend me and then I'm helping you with your trash, what I'm going to do is throw it all back out at you. <laughs> and it's not, you might have met someone that's a little bit like that or has done that to you recently. <laughs> But what about this? In my pride, I think that I can handle it all. Just keep putting one more thing on me, one more thing on me until actually I'm quite unstable. Or this one, where there's a crane in my independence. Oh yes, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine, I've got it all together, no problem. Until something bigger comes along that I can't carry, and then it's a complete disaster. You see, we need him. Or what about this one? In the environment, because of the snow, I'm just doing my work, but I end up crushing the cruiser. You see, sorry, officer, it was just the environment. There's something that we need. And so I want to turn to chapter 1 of James, verse 19, because point 2 is this. We've got the hero with an impossible challenge. So if you turn with me and read this, and would you read it with me? It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I don't know about you, but when was the last time someone you loved said something offensive or derogative to you, and then you said, hang on a sec, I need to get a chair for this, this is good stuff. I need to listen and really, okay, yes, tell me more about how bad I am. Yes, tell me more about all the things that are wrong with me. We never say that. We, I don't know about you, but I can go from passionately defending my position to then removing myself completely from the environment because there's something that I can't overcome. There's something inside me. Or what about you're driving along, you're doing nothing wrong, and someone cuts you up and does an obscene gesture right at you. Are you how slow to anger are you? Uh, not at all, not at all. This is my point. My point is this. It is impossible. If we could control that which comes up, we would. But we can't. There is something impossible that we can't get a grip on. So if you look into the word, it says on verse 21, oh, sorry, verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. You see, in the olden days, God would speak to man through the prophets, but then after Jesus came, he would speak through his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and as a result, we now have the ability to listen to his voice, to listen to his word. And because he's cleaned us, he then 
We have relationship with him. Jesus will equip you. He'll empower you. He'll resource you. He'll make you new in his spirit and everything else. But Jesus is a little bit like this bar of soap. You see, this bar of soap might be the most powerful soap in the world. This soap might be able to clean any dirt, any darkness in the entire universe, but it doesn't matter that I'm holding the soap. It doesn't matter how powerful the soap is or how much I have of it. What matters is whether I'm applying it to the darkest, dirtiest areas of my life. It's the application that starts to reveal what the soap can do. It's stepping in to his plans and purposes, doing the work that's going to start to reveal. You see, the word there says humbly accept. It's the how we come to the guide. It's how we posture ourselves with the guide. You see, as I grew up in England, we didn't play a lot of basketball. And as a result, I, might, I can play soccer, I can play rugby, I can play cricket, things like that, but I'm totally useless at basketball because I've never picked up a basketball. And so I can come to America and I conceivably, I can meet Michael Jordan. And I have no idea who he is. And Michael says to me, I'd like to teach you how to play basketball. Okay, Michael, okay. And uh, what's your name? Okay, Mike, stand aside, stand aside. Because I don't understand who Mike is. And so I, you know, watch this, watch this, okay. And I hit it, completely missed the backboard, completely missed everything, which is a little bit like my basketball. And you say, Michael's in the background going, uh, I was the highest scoring person in the NBA 10 times. And I'm like, okay, okay, no one likes anyone too cocky, Michael. Anyone, just relax, stand, up, stand back there, Michael. You see, because I don't understand who Michael Jordan is, and then I have to come to him and I have to say, okay, I can see you know how to play this game. I need to learn from you. And day in, day out, I start to spend time with Michael Jordan. I start to practice with Michael Jordan. I listen to him. And the way that he plays starts to rub off on me so that the, the way that he does things is now the way that I do things. You see, when I start to come with a spirit of humility, my heart, the way that I do things, starts to change. And now my will is lining up with his will. And it's when my will lines up with his will that there's power to overcome. Too often we're living out and we're saying, oh, could you do this or could you do that? It's in the everyday doing life with Michael Jordan, in this case, or Jesus, that we start to see the change. We start to see. But overcoming, which is point four, remember? The guide desires to help you overcome. The hero overcome the impossible challenge. Point four, the problem with overcoming is it takes an accurate assessment of where I'm at. And it's not until I start to realize honestly and authentically this is what I'm dealing with that I can start to actually have God come into the mess, come into the brokenness, and his love will start to transform at that point. You see, most of us think we look something like this when actually we look more like this. You see, 
That's from Avengers Endgame, if you haven't seen it. And that story there is about Thor, who's one of the heroes in the story, but he's taken himself out of the assignment because he's caught in condemnation. You see, Thor should have defeated Thanos, who had killed half his friends, and because he didn't, he'd placed himself as the judge, and he'd sat in condemnation, playing PlayStation and drinking beers with his rock friend Korg. He'd taken himself out of the assignment, and it takes something special for Thor to raise his hand for the hammer. And the hammer only comes when he's counted worthy. But guess what? The hammer comes and it counts him worthy. I want to put to you today that the blood of Jesus and the perspective of the Father is counting you worthy. But because we're sitting in the broken place of condemnation, you see what happens is as a child, I've put my faith in the one that I loved, the one that should be looking after me, the one that should be taking care. And sooner or later, they've said something or done something that's broken me. And we've swallowed that brokenness. And as a result, we then live out. Not only that, I then step into the brokenness. I see the brokenness work through me. And now I'm living out of a place where I'm the judge, like Thor, that's been taken out of assignment. Because it's not until I realize that there's a different truth. The father is looking at his children as the next heroes rising up. He's counting them worthy because it's not subject to what you do. It's not subject to what you have done or what you ever will do. It's subject to the original hero and what he's done. You see, when he's crushed, when he's crushed, he counts his kids worthy. And now we have to find a spirit of humility and break those lies that we've got into agreement with. You were created new. You can do all things. There's a freshness to you, a new wave, something that God's exciting. Those passions that he's birthing inside of you are there for a reason. Those ideas that you're doing, and the number one thing, I, I can tell you this because I work with a lot of uh, young adults, the number one thing that takes us out is insecurity and doubt. It is just hidden in the background, and this is the root of where it's coming from. We've swallowed things from people that we've trusted. And it's this that is stopping us from putting God's agenda at the top of our day-to-day -day actions. That's stopping God and his plans and his purposes for your life rising up. You see, the devil is quite happy to just allow you to condemn yourself. You're out of the game. You'll sit there, you'll just keep trying to survive, keep trying to do this, trying to do that, whatever it might be. He'll condemn you, oppress you, whatever he needs to do to just make sure that you don't start participating in the game where you start building the church, you start covering people, you start being who God sees you to be. You see, if we go back to the word, it says this in James 1 verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, 
And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. The word face in verse 23, in other translations is translated natural face or natural image. But the actual Greek word is geninios. And geninios is where we get Genesis from. And see, when you look into Jesus and you look into the blood, he's starting to say, this is who you are. If there was nothing, if none of this junk had happened, if none of this brokenness had happened, if you weren't in a fallen state, in a fallen place, if I look into Jesus, he's looking at you as his original design. That's the literal translation for the word face. The original design, the plans and purposes, the way you act. If you look into Jesus, you're not just looking into the Savior. You're looking into how heaven operates. You're looking into the original character, the creator of all things in and through him. And as I set my eyes on the destination, I start to see how he acts. I start to see the unconditional love a different way of doing things. You see, God is looking at you and saying, this is who you are. You are the ones that cover the broken hearted. You are the ones that lay your lives down for the unconditional. You are the ones who desperately the world needs because it's so broken. And when we understand who we are in Christ, we start to act differently. You see, all through Scripture, God has said, Abraham, you're different. I'm going to set it apart. My plans and my purposes through you. Israel, you're different. Don't mix with the world. You're different. And in his son, we now get the revelation in the blood of who we are. But we have to get out of the way. We have to stop listening to ourselves and what we think to be right. Because what we're doing is we're putting our brokenness on to God and saying, well, I think he probably is judging me. I think he's probably condemning me. I think he's probably doing this. And it's not true because the blood has made you pure. It's actually self-condemnation that's taking you out. And when we just believe him because he is who he is and he's done what he's done, then now there's a rising that's starting to happen. Yes, now I can do all things. Now I act differently. I line up with who he is. You see, it's this awareness of knowledge, this awareness of his love, his goodness, his grace that starts to do a work in our lives. It starts to come into our hearts. Did you know that the word charis, which is the word for grace, can be interpreted as the divine influence in the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace is doing a work in our hearts. It's changing us, transforming us. But transformation, which is point number five, is a slightly unusual thing because if you'd have asked me nine years ago when I was at Bible college, how's your transformation going? And you'd have said, okay, yes. Transformation happens as you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and you just keep looking at him, your heart will start to change. And I'll say, well, in that case, pretty terribly. Because I've started my business, which I've done successfully in New Zealand, but now in Australia, everything's gone wrong. I think I can hear from God, but the woman 
that he's saying I'm going to marry keeps rejecting me until eventually on the last night I've been rejected so many times and she's prophesying you're going to marry the most amazing woman of God and it's not going to be me and I'm thinking oh okay so I head to Africa and I, I study in Africa as a mission school and I'm sitting in Africa at mission school thinking selfish thoughts about how I don't want to eat beans and rice for the hundredth day in a row and I'm judging myself thinking I am not cut out for this mission life. I have all my friends back west uh, just eating the most amazing food. But actually, it's a different perspective. You see, it's as we grow with Jesus, as we look with Jesus, he's doing a work. We just don't realize it. We don't realize that our perspective is changing. And I want to say to you today, I think you're probably doing better than you think you are. You know... It got worse. When we, I was married in our first year, we went through a terrible miscarriage and there's brokenness and there's death and you think, God, where are you? I'm so lost in this story. But as we keep our eyes fixed on God and the destination, he comes into the brokenness. He's doing a work all along, particularly in the broken places. He's coming alongside into it. And you know what? When we keep our eyes fixed on him, we're really learning his heart. We're learning his love. Things are changing. You see, now when I look back and I look at those nine years back in Bible college, I can see now God saying, don't worry about the business. I've got a better plan and purpose than anything you could start in Australia. That wife who keeps rejecting you or that woman that keeps rejecting you is going to be your wife and you will travel the world together, and she will be the most amazing wife ever. Hi, honey. <laughs> and or what about in Africa? Like, even though I'm sitting in condemnation, oh gosh, look at me, I'm going to be a terrible missionary. God is saying, I can't believe you're putting my plans and purposes first. You have no idea how you're learning with me right now what love is to learn of, his, of my, what I want you to learn, even though I didn't feel it at the time. He comes into the brokenness. He comes into the hurting places. You see, Jesus wants to talk to you about the plans and purposes he has, but we need to get out of the way. We need to stop believing our brokenness and what we see is happening and choose him as that truth. It's not easy to do. One way that you can do it is just sign up to something. Go on a mission trip. Sign up to CP 101. Whatever you sign up to, you're now going to start to see the presence and power of God unfolding in your lives. You see, verse 27 says this, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You see, God's heart is for the broken people. You see in that, it's the orphans and widows, those that have been hurt by the spirit of death. Go and help them. Go and restore the relationships. Go and cover them. This is who you are. And when the enemy comes to condemn you, what we say is, 
This is who I am. Why do you go and help the homeless? Why do you help the orphans? Why do you step up? Because this is who I am. It will defeat every single thing when you start doing it because you'll start to understand that you aren't who you think you are. There's something more powerful inside you doing a work. You see, it's the presence of Jesus. But have you ever noticed that a real hero never makes a big deal about themselves? You see, a real hero knows that there's something greater going on than just them. You see, God, who's the author and the creator of the story, is doing something powerful. And it's actually us in his story. He's the original hero. Jesus is the original hero, and we're just tiny little heroes rising up in his image to start to do and act as he acts. And when we start to do that, there's a wave coming, a revolution, a wave of new doing things where people go, that's incredible. How do you do that? Oh, you should meet Jesus. There's a presence, there's power, there's restoration. You're not who you think you are. There's something more powerful inside of you. So I have one question for you. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with God? Do you know Jesus? Have you got your eyes fixed on the destination? Do you know what true north is and have you had an encounter with him? Because if you haven't, today is the day to make amends. Today is the day to let him cover the broken place, the way that you think there is. There is a different way of doing things. There is a love that you may not have encountered, but what needs to happen is you need to raise your hand and say, yes, I need the Savior. I cannot do it myself. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you don't know that you're right with God, now is the time to make yourself right. The blood will come in as we say yes to Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask Jesus to come in. One, today is the day of salvation. Two, I desire to know what your truth is. Three, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just going to ask everyone to pray this prayer together. Jesus, we need you to come into our broken mess. We need you to equip us and empower us and to cover our sin. We turn away from everything that is stopping me from understanding who you are. Everything that is creating a brokenness in my life, would you come and would you remove it from me, Father? We speak against every generational curse that stopped people from stepping in to who they are. We ask for a new day to be planted in our hearts, Father, and for our eyes to be fixed on the destination as we learn your ways, as we learn what you're doing in and through us. We thank you for Center Point Church, and we desire to make Jesus our center. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it.